Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to Greenwashed and here we are at the last segment of the week that is the Sustainable Development Goals and Jill and I are up to goal number six. Goal number six, water. The United Nations SDG number six Verbatim just says that goal number six is about making sure everyone has clean water and sanitation. But Jill is going to interpret, help me interpret it. Hey, Jill. Hi, Jess Preach. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. And gosh, between three waters and everything else, I thought we'd be watered out by now. But uh, let's, before we head into three waters, the New Zealand perspective. Let's look at how the United Nations has played a goal in us reaching where we are at right now, which is effectively the center government, stealing local ratepayer paid assets. So the background story, please. Let's translate the goal. First of all, what does clean water and sanitation mean, actually? OK, from my from my little, little list of um, translated goals, so Goal six is to ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. So the translation of that is um, all water is controlled by corporations, local government or state, including rivers and wells on private land. So, you know, this is the complete control of one of the one of the most important things in everybody's life. So, so yeah, that's that's where we're heading, and it's not just the United Nations that's involved in this. This is also very much in partnership with the um, World Economic Forum, mm. and they are split too into their own partners. But I will we'll get back to that. So yeah, let's let's start with what happened with Three Waters. Yeah. So the United Nations in twenty twenty one the report uh, on the value of water, the one we'll be talking about you and I. But the prelim to it said that while everyone recognizes water is essential to life, all life, including humans, it's often taken for granted. As a result, it's frequently misused, polluted, or wasted. Giving value to water is a better way to recognize its important, its importance to us as individuals, also to society and the environment from which it comes and it ultimately returns. So what they want is water monetized all water and uh, i don't know about you but i've now been hearing of uh, lidar mapping with the new zealand of groundwater aquifers and a whole lot of you know paranoia being spread around how everyone's going to run out of water but this whole thing began because you cannot you cannot control what you can't manage and you can't manage what you can't measure and that's what's happening well, that's the whole that's the whole thing of these aims, isn't it? With Agenda Twenty One, is to be able to measure and um, track everything on the face of the planet, so that it can be controlled. And of course, water is such an integral part of that. But you know, we've we've done some as human beings, we've some, done some disastrous things with water, but we're pretty self-correcting. And and over our human history, you know, we've we've moved it from one place to another. Um, we've cleaned it. We've done it a remarkable things with water, and to to have a global governance have full control over it, especially a corrupt one, um, just sends terror to my bones, really. 
And that's the whole been the whole march of control over the last three, I mean, it's been going on for decades, but over the last three years, it's been amplified. So your climate discussions have been captured. Your health was everything that the World Health Organization, United Nations body says, control there. Agriculture is going down the gurgler. And there we have water as well. So this report, Jill and I are going to refer to for the next few minutes. You can find it online. Just search for the United Nations World Water Development Report 2021. It's got a subtitle called Valuing Water. And the one thing that has been very, very audible to me over this debate around three waters has been suddenly it's about co-governance. It's about the treaty. It's about indigenous rights. And it all began, believe it or not, in 2017 as a suspected uh, water issue on a council premises, a council facility in Havelock North, which may have led to two people dying. And from that, it morphed to this multi-billion dollar water grab, asset grab. And one wonders how this goes on. But to find a similar theme in this UN report is uh, no coincidence that what the whole conversation that we've been having in New Zealand is already preempted in it. They talk about cultural values of water in this report. They talk about how the Burana people of Ethiopia, water value as a source that you share in as a member of a descent-based collective. They also talk about, uh, Jill, they already had the Maori history in this, the United Nations report, talking about place-based value systems and the stewardship and legal personhood of the Wanganui River. So New Zealand was being held up as an example in this. They talk about the fact that the Maori peoples generally recognize an indivisible whole rather than breaking environmental complexities into components like, you know, riverbeds and aquifers and so on. So the Maori holistic approach avoids dividing water into sociocultural, economic and ecological values. And the river has its own life, its own personhood, its own character. In 2017, says this United Nations report, the New Zealand parliament conferred the Wanganui River legal personhood. And even though there is still the success of the Maori approach to stewardship is still subject to debate. The legal personhood is recognized. So if you thought that this was new, what happened, that the debate over a Havelock North poisoning turned into this whole co-governance and race relations and ethnicity issues, it was all foreshadowed here. That is exactly what was planned. And it certainly helped the divide and rule, didn't it, Jill? Well, it did. And with the Havelock North, Havelock North water incident, um, so they got, was it Camp Lebacla? Camp Lebacla. Yeah, Camp Lebacla got into the water supply from a heavy rain issue and then it got into the, it was sheep poo, I think, got yep. into the, and, and it blew up for a little while and then it just went silent. And as far as I know, nobody has been charged. Um, nobody's gone to jail. Um, nobody's been put in prison for, what could have been two deaths um, arising from people getting sick in Havelock North. So it sort of suddenly it went dark and then suddenly exploded with three waters because from the Havelock North incident, suddenly all water in New Zealand was almost, you, through the adverts on TV, you would think that nearly all water was undrinkable and, and that our water situation, our drinking water um, 
our sewerage water and wastewater was a, was a crumbling mess. But that is blatantly not true. And I'm still angry about Three Waters Jasperita. It was a, a blatant Are you? Thing. you could have fooled me, Jill. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it is a, it is a blatant theft, and it and it is a massive money grab, and it's going to cost every New Zealander dearly as the price of water, something that you you had for free um, in a lot of places or at a low cost, is, is going to skyrocket. So, yep. but when you when you look through this report, there is nothing much about. Um, how we've been amazing with our water, how we've gotten water to people who normally who didn't have access to water. But everything comes back to how people in Africa look at water, how the um, Aboriginals look at water, how Māori look at water. And, and the whole other contingent of human beings on the planet have just been completely ignored. Yep. yep. So, so uh, when this began in New Zealand before that, LGNZ, that is the body, the advocacy body for all New Zealand councils, it had a position paper in 2015 that is still uh, available for you to see. It is simply called the Three Waters Position Paper. And at that point in 2017, LGNZ, which speaks for the councils, effectively said that Full-blown economic regulation of the water sector is unnecessary, and the cost seen in other sectors regulated this way would predict that this would also out uh, that the cost here would outweigh the benefits of the change. And they said that a key finding of the LGNZ Three Waters project is that the sector is not fundamentally broken, with services confirmed to be reliably delivered at a reasonable cost. And then what happened? That in 2020, LGNZ signed a heads of agreement with the government stating that it believes that Three Waters is in the best interests of the communities it represents and that it would help drum up support to Three Waters. So I was never consulted. No rate peers were consulted. And it went ahead because just like the climate change agendas that are marching on, again, with the guidance given by our single source of climate science, the United Nations IPCC, the same way the waters agenda has been going on, the control here and uh, the mechanisms which, you know, happily include divide and rule, which helps the government, have been in play for a long time. At the time when Three Waters Bees were being pushed, we had Castalia and other group of consultants warning councils that this is not going to go well. We were modeled on the Scottish water regulator. And as the news coming out of uh, London uh, with Thames Water has been showing for the last three, four days, there has been absolute strife. And our water model, now Three Waters, is going to be using the same highly leveraged financing structure. Where is yeah, well, this going you know, to end? Mm-hmm. If anybody's looking for a job, get to be a CEO on a water um, a water Entity. board like Thames because they their CEO is paid huge money and their entire Thames water infrastructure is is entirely crumbling. But Jasper, I'd just like to pop back to LGNZ mm-hmm. um, and and what happened there. <clears throat> so LGNZ has its own council, which is called National Council, um, and it 
again, go back to the word Soviet, a system of councils. And most people within those councils don't know what the one above them is doing. So National Council actually signed a secret heads of agreement with the government. So this is between the Minister for Three Waters, which was Nanaya Mahuta, and the Minister of LGNZ, which was Nanaya Mahuta. Um, and that was the that's not the person, that was the two positions that this person was holding at that time, just like we have the um, socialist Kieran McAnulty is the minister for both Three Waters and LGNZ, because that's how our government's structured, structured. It is also the same in the National Party. So yeah. so let's not get I'm confused the- that it's just the Labour Party. But they did this in secret. They signed this heads of agreement in secret, um, saying that they were quite happy to go ahead with the Three Waters thing. They weren't going to really kick against it. And that was done two days before the local government conference in it was in 2020, I think it was. So nearly every mayor that is and CEO that is a member of LGNZ had no idea that this was happening. But Absolutely then, none. Let's look at what the problems were, why Castalia was warning us and why. I mean, what were the warnings that we did not heed about what was going to go on? So Castalia did reports and they're available. That's CAS. T-A-L-I-A, Castalia, for anyone who goes Googling. But it did reports for the government, centre government, and then it did, uh, you know, custom-made reports for a few counties. And they very clearly said that uh, the costs, the the sort of assumptions that the government is working on do not work. They said that, number one, all the councils have to work at the Scotland model and New Zealand and Scotland, while they might have comparable populations close to 5 million, the similarities end there. In New Zealand, 87% of us live in urban populations and uh, urban population hasn't really increased that much. The uh, Scotland structure at that point, the densities differ, the topography, the geography differs and we in New Zealand, we are really spread out. While most of the Scottish population lives in towns and cities that are relatively close to each other, relatively close to each other, it is not the same in New Zealand. And we have gone on with this nonsense. They also claimed that the assumption in one of the modelling was that unless the government does something, Councils individually on their own would not be doing anything for water. So, you know, you just need to grab it. It makes no sense what they have done. No, it doesn't. And and in fairness, Castilia was hired by the local, um, it was to report to the communities for local democracy. So yeah. there were a number of mayors that were absolutely up in arms um, about what was going on with the, the three water reform mm-hmm. um, and the, and the, how it was how it was being modelled. So what they found with cutting out water entities into four um, mega entities, so the mm. report found that the entities will have poor accountability to the public, which is quite true because my entity will be in Christchurch. So if we have problems down here in central Otago, um, the chances of them getting somebody there relatively quickly is is going to be is going to be small. 
Um, the reform increases overstated investment. Yeah, um, they just they just went to the blanket that we are going to need 120 to 185 billion dollars of capital. Councils yeah. kept putting in requests for information. Tell us how you reach these figures. Zip. Nothing. Yep. Um, there's a there's a, a risk of higher bills and the cost savings that that what we've been told is um, and our councils have been told. Um, what they've put in the report, how they've worded it, is highly implausible. Yeah, um, they, which they basically have, means they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> they have asked, they've said that is implausibly high capex and opex a capital uh, and uh, operating expenditure efficiencies assumed. I mean, we know that whenever a new bureaucracy yep. is formed, there is no efficiencies there. There's a whole lot of people justifying their jobs. And one must remember that both national and labor agreed that there was need for a new mega entity, the new water regulator, Tamota Aruwai. That, well, that was a bipartisan agreement there. So that's, again, too, that, the, the whole thing, when you read through that, um, Omata, what is it? Oh, Tamamatawai, I can't yeah. say it. Tamota Aruwai. Yep. So <clears throat> when you when you really dig down into that, that means that water must be... Um, absolutely pure as it was pre-human habitation yeah and, yeah and and to think that water was pure pre-human habitation is is ridiculous things still died in water we we still have mudslides landslides and 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 stuff like that whether we're here or not <laughs> but having stated that it needs to be like pre-human habitation all of these entities now want to fill us with uh, chloride and 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 fluoride um which is very definitely a post-human, a human thing. Development, but, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these these huge water entities, there's going to be poor accountability. There's going to be increased financial risk. Um, and, and you are... And your water bills are just going to keep going, like your rates are just going to keep going up and up and up and up to, to pay a monstrous beast at the top, which just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more and more bureaucracy. And totally, and just like the United Nations, we will have now created these mega entities in New Zealand that will have representation that's unelected, unaccountable, playing fast and loose with your money. And hey, before before Jill and I sign off, it still needs to be kept in mind that this all began from a Campylobacter poisoning at a council facility in Havelock North. How that turns out to, you know, what was it, 9,000 jobs in this mega entity or something? How yes. that translates into a bureaucrat's wet dream? I don't know. But New Zealand, we've moved from the directives of the United Nations to dollarize water, to put a value in water, to control and measure it. And boy, oh boy, happy to live it. Well, you know, again, it's a bit of a worry with the United Nations, and I, and I go back to them, that they are corrupt. Um, the United Nations has been in Haiti for over 20 years now. And this is the this is the country that, or this is the organisation that wants to look after us. But what happened in Haiti after the earthquake, um, <clears throat> overseas soldiers were brought in to, to help with the earthquake cleanup. And these were the United Nations peacekeepers and stuff. So what happened was raw sewage was dumped into the rivers and the canals and it killed tens of thousands of people with cholera and it made over a million more people um, sick. Now, this wasn't that long ago. We knew about cholera. 
um, and we know how it makes people people ill. So Port-au-Prince in, in Haiti, its capital, has got a population of one and a half million people. It has barely any running water and it has no proper sewage system. Now, the person who was in charge, the UN envoy at that stage was Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. You know, So how can the United Nations write all these huge reports about how it wants us to have safe water when its very own practices um, are murderous? There's, there's no other... There's no other. Um, there's no other word for it. They knew that when they brought the soldiers in from Nepal, that they were carrying cholera, and yet their sewage went straight into the water into system the upstream from where everybody lived. So, and of course, the United Nations is in cahoots with the World Economic Forum. So when you when you look at who is behind their water reform, <clears throat> so you've got a big group called the Boston Consulting Group. You've got J.P. Morgan, who are bankers, Mastercard, Bayer. Pfizer, funny, AstraZeneca, funny, Google, Unilever, L'Oreal, all of these companies are are partners and profit makers from our water through the United Nations reform of water. So the next time, so the next time I think we look at uh, our big bills and uh, you wonder where to go to the new water regulator, your local council, just remember. Reading up a bit about the United Nations 2030 agenda might not be such a bad idea after all. Or you or you may just decide to look up the state of Thames water and uh, just look up reports of London schools and houses at this point not being, uh, not having any water or very low pressure for the past 48 hours. Thank you so much for joining Jill and me this morning on another episode of the United Nations SDGs. Our number is 2057 or email us at inbox at the rate realitytech.radio. Whatever you do, have a great day and appreciate your water. Long may it last. Have a great Monday. Bye. Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio.